Hey guys, I have a podcast that I think you'll really enjoy. Proof, the investigative true crime podcast co-hosted by Susan Simpson of Undisclosed and Jacinda Davis of Evil Lives Here is releasing its highly anticipated second season where they investigate the murder of 18-year-old Renee Ramos. The first season, which if you haven't listened to yet, you totally should, saw the release of two Georgia men serving life sentences for murdering their friend, Brian Bowling. And thanks to evidence unearthed by proof, on December 8th, 2022, both Daryl Lee Clark and Kane Joshua Story were finally freed after 25 years behind bars. With that same investigative drive, Susan and Jacinda are on the case again, and this time, they are on the streets of Manteca, California, to find out who really killed Renee Ramos. In proof, murder at the warehouse, you hear how, on June 5th, 2000, Renee's body was found buried beneath a pile of debris inside a new Home Depot building. And how, despite tips hinting at alternate suspects, her boyfriend, 18-year-old Jake Silva, and 33-year-old Ty Lopez were arrested and convicted of her murder. Fans of true crime and investigative series won't want to miss this riveting new season. Follow the case as Susan and Jacinda uncover long-overlooked evidence about what really happened to Renee by listening to Proof, Murder at the Warehouse, wherever you get your podcasts. There were two more murders 15 miles away. Every friendship has its ups and downs. Friends will fight. It's something that's totally normal. However, on the evening of October 16, 1931, a group of friends would have a fight that ended in a crime that was sensationalized by newspapers all over the U.S. So, if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. Winnie Ruth Judd, born January 29, 1905, married at the young age of 17. Her husband, Dr. William Judd, was more than 20 years older than his new bride. The couple soon ran into marital problems when William became addicted to morphine as a result of injuries sustained during World War I and had difficulty keeping a job. Winnie, also suffering from health issues, found that she was unable to have children. In 1930, the strained couple began living separately, and Winnie, desperate to get away, took a job that moved her to Phoenix, Arizona. Soon, she met a new man, John J. Halloran or, as he was called, Happy Jack. The 44-year-old businessman was a known playboy and philanderer, and, eventually, he and Winnie began an affair. A few months later, she became friends with Agnes Ann Leroy and her roommate, Hedvig Samuelson. Winnie eventually moved in with her new friends in 1931. These two women, though, were also friendly with Jack Halloran. After only a few months of living together, Winnie moved out of the bungalow she shared with the women. It is unknown the reason for the distance between the three women, but it is assumed that Jack was at the center of it. On the evening of October 16, 1931, Winnie went to the bungalow to play cards with her friends. What happened next is unknown, but this is what we know. Agnes and Hedvig were both shot to death with a 25 caliber gun. Winnie was also shot with the gun, but just in the hand. After the shooting took place, Hedvig's body was dismembered and her head, 
torso, and lower half of her legs were placed in a black shipping trunk, while the top half of her legs were placed in a hat box. The body of Agnes Leroy was stuffed into another shipping trunk. Two days later, the bandaged Winnie Judd boarded the Golden State Limited passenger train and traveled to Los Angeles. At around 7.45 a.m., she arrived in California. Her trunks began to garner some suspicion when station personnel noticed a foul odor and liquid seeping from the trunks. They pulled Winnie aside and, believing she was smuggling contraband, asked her to unlock the cases. She simply stated she didn't have the key and left the station without her bags. At around 4.30 p.m., the LAPD was called to check on the trunks. When they picked the locks and opened them, they found the bodies of the two murdered women. On October 19th, Phoenix police entered the bungalow where the women were killed. For some unknown reason, they allowed neighbors and reporters to enter as well, and the integrity of the crime scene was completely destroyed. Making it worse, the next day, the landlord of the bungalow put an ad in the paper offering tours of the home for 10 cents a person. Police believe that the women were shot in their sleep as the mattresses were both missing. One was found miles away with no bloodstains, and the other was never found. Winnie Judd remained undetected until October 23rd when she surrendered to police in a funeral home. The trial began on January 19th. Winnie was being charged with the murder of Agnes Leroy, but not Hedwig. Therefore, the dismemberment aspect of the slayings were never addressed. The trial became a media circus. The lack of detail, the love triangle, and the female murderer were all too entertaining to miss. The defense asserted that Winnie, who also suffered from a gunshot wound, was innocent. They also stated that she was insane and very easily manipulated. The affair sent suspicions to Jack Halloran, and he was later indicted as an accomplice. Nevertheless, Winnie Judd was found guilty of first-degree murder on February 8th and sentenced to be hanged. However, her death sentence was overturned after a 10-day hearing found her mentally incompetent. She was sent to the Arizona State Asylum for the Insane on April 24, 1933. During the trial against Jack, Winnie, who didn't take the stand in her own trial, was the star witness. Her testimony lasted almost three days in which she stated that she shot the women in self-defense and it was Jack who removed all of the evidence. According to her, a fight broke out between the women over the man and, outnumbered, Winnie acted in self-defense. She then met up with Jack, who hatched a plan to get rid of the bodies. Despite this story, Jack was released with the judge claiming that the case was inconsistent. Winnie escaped the hospital on six separate occasions, once successfully for six years before being brought back. She was then paroled and released on December 22, 1971, and died an officially free woman on October 23, 1998, exactly 67 years after she surrendered to the police. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to hear what terrible thing happened on October 17th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime-obsessed friends. And remember... Stay safe.
Thank you for listening to Morning Cup of Murder. This is a daily podcast that tells you what happened on this day in true crime history. In short, easy to listen to episodes that you can finish on your commute or while you enjoy your morning coffee. So make sure you check back every morning. My name is Karina. I am the creator and host. You can find Morning Cup of Murder on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I have also set up a Patreon where you can donate a small monthly contribution to the podcast. All those links are in the episode description. Thank you again and have a wonderful day.